What do 2024's Michael Hawkins and 2023's Caleb Hicks have to offer potentially to the Oklahoma Sooners? We'll talk with Kyle Yeomans of DallasCowboys.com and also of Friday Night Stars who broadcasted games in which they played. On today's episode of Locked on Sooners, we'll also discuss what's the future with Brent Venables? Can he turn this thing around? And basketball, men's basketball got a big win as well. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. Follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can follow my partner, Josh Helmer, on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Sooners. And we're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Coming up off the jump, we've got our interview with Kyle Yeomans. He's going to share his insight, his thoughts on Michael Hawkins, four-star quarterback who played in a playoff game for Allen High School against uh, Louisville this past weekend. Kyle Yeomans was on the call broadcasting the game, uh, the playoff game for Texas High School football. He also had some thoughts on what he saw from Caleb Hicks last season, not this season, but in 2021. So we'll get to those thoughts coming up next. And we're joined now on Locked On Sooners by Kyle Yeomans. He is a TV host and hosts the pre and post game show for DallasCowboys.com for the Talking Cowboys podcast and the draft show. He also hosts Friday Night Stars covering high school football across the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and all of North Texas. Most recently got to watch Michael Hawkins out of Allen High School, a guy who's currently projected to go to Oklahoma. If you look at 24-7 sports, he's got several crystal balls, rivals, he's got several future casts on three recruiting, has got him favor to go to Oklahoma with a projection of 94%. So we thought we needed to bring Kyle in to get a, a bit of an understanding, a bit of an idea on what Michael Hawkins is bringing to the table. Oklahoma legacy father played defensive back for the Sooners several, you know, a couple decades ago now. Uh, so Kyle, just your initial, first of all, thank you for joining the show. We're, we're so glad to have you on. Been a big fan of yours for several years now when you uh, joined the DallasCowboys.com team with the draft show and all that. Always been a big fan of the work. So, your impressions of Michael Hawkins as you got to watch him in Allen High School. I know it wasn't their best performance as a football team. It's kind of been of a bit of a down year for Allen. But what did you see when you saw Michael play? Yeah, I really did like what I saw from Mike early on in that football game. And like you said, it wasn't a game uh, that necessarily went well for Allen. Louisville, the, the fighting farmers down here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, a legendary mascot name. Really kind of took it to town. Uh, it took that offense of Allen and neutralized it through much of the uh, the first half of the ball game. But that's the thing about Louisville to keep in mind for those kind of looking at it. They had not allowed more than two touchdowns in their final seven games of the regular season. So it, it was one of the best defensive units in the entire state. They've got commits going all over the country. Four or five guys going D1. They've got multiple D2 offers and a couple guys that I'm sure will get some Juco looks as well on that Louisville defensive side. For Hawkins specifically, I thought early on they they tried to establish the run. They were without their running back and KV on Sibley and a guy who's uh, a pretty high caliber uh, tailback and somebody that they they've really used as a workhorse throughout. Uh, so Hawkins had to to run a little bit of read option 
And then he had a sophomore and a backup senior as his tailbacks in the backfield. So the ground game really struggled to get off the ground. Hawkins was the one that had the majority of the success. He led the team in rushing yards at the halftime break. I, I can't remember if he actually led it by the end of the game, but he certainly would have been close in that regard. He's so athletic. I mean, good size, not a massive build. I mean, he's only six foot two, and, and he's not necessarily one of those guys that's going to jump off the, the chart whenever you're seeing him from a frame standpoint. But athletically, uh, he, he has all the tools. He has everything that you would need uh, in a Division I quarterback. He's got mobility. He's got arm strength. He's got accuracy. And then one thing I was really impressed by was his decision-making. Even late in the football game where the, it was frustrating and Louisville had really kind of challenged him on, on all three levels. They really dominated the offensive line for Allen up in front of Mike Hawkins. They got after him. He was under pressure for the majority of the time. His pocket presence to be able to avoid pressure, to get out of the pocket, roll and at least extend the play enough to either throw it downfield to an open man or the decision-making I was talking about, just throw it out of bounds. Because sometimes the best play in football is to punt the football away because you, you don't have that open target. You don't want to force it into that window. I know Oklahoma fans, uh, at least as of late, would like to, to see that a couple more times down the way of not throwing those turnovers and getting in trouble. I think Hawkins is one of those guys that cerebrally uh, – I don't even know if that's a word – cerebrally uh, is built to take on the next level because he had the right mindset and he certainly has the athletic traits. How do you feel like he he kind of stood up under the the adversity and, and the pressure of you know playing against a team that was it seems like they were a much better team on that day. The defense was really you know having their way with with Allen. So how did he respond to that adversity? What was kind of like the body language? Just what did you observe just from the booth as you're broadcasting the game? Yeah, and it's interesting because they were on the road in this playoff game, first round playoff game at Louisville, uh, and, and the environment was great. It was cold. It was it was football weather, but it was windy. Twenty one mile an hour wind uh, going from left to right. So at one point you're going into the teeth of the wind, at another point you've got the wind at your back. Uh, so it was an interesting environment for a guy that's just a junior to go into uh, and to really be challenged by. But I, I never saw frustration from him specifically there was not at one point where I looked over at him I did see it from his wide receivers at times and especially his offensive line who had their hands full all day long uh and some frustration and it could have been very easy for a guy like Hawkins who who was running around not necessarily having time to throw to be frustrated I never really saw that from him I really actually I liked what I saw from his demeanor uh it looked like a leadership standpoint now it's different uh, being up in the booth than it would be on the sideline. You never really get a, a full tell of it. Uh, but everything that I had heard from head coach Lee Wigington, too, had said that he's done everything he's needed. And part of the reason why he's gotten better as the season's gone along is because the team around him has gotten better. But he also got better from quarter one to quarter four. By the time you headed, we were heading into that fourth quarter, uh, he was able to uncork it a little bit. He had the wind at his back. He was able to throw on the run, in the pocket, step up and be confident in some of his throws uh, to the point where it actually showed off how much of a cannon uh, he certainly has. And he, he kept that composure all the way through up until the final whistle. They even they had a chance really late to make it a two-score game. Now it didn't end up coming to fruition. But the fact that they even had a chance to make it a two-score game after Louisville dominated that football match, uh, it was certainly something to, to keep in mind. 
We're talking with Kyle Yeomans from DallasCowboys.com and Friday Night Lights, or fr sorry, Friday Night Stars. Uh, you, hey, you might have been on maybe the reboot Either of Friday one. Night Lights. Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. maybe so. Coach Taylor's a good friend of mine, right? That's right. There you go. On the reboot, you can be the the son or the nephew that takes over. I'll be the broadcaster. How Dylan, about that? Yeah, there you go. Take takes that over one. Dylan. That'll work. <laughs> uh, so we talked Michael Hawkins, twenty twenty three guy, a twenty twenty two commit. Kyle got a chance to watch last season. That's mm -hmm. Caleb Hicks, running back, still committed to Oklahoma. What were your impressions of him when you got a chance to see him, not in the 2022 season, but back in 2021? Man, he is so fun to watch. He really is. And, and one of my favorite play-by-play -play calls I've ever had, it was, uh, it was the Jerry Jones Classic last year. It was here at the Star in Frisco, and uh, they played Longview, which, of course, out of East Texas has produced some, some great talent throughout the years as well. And one of my favorite calls is in, in the end of the second quarter, he bounced outside and it's, Hicks wants the edge, end zone, touchdown. Hicks makes it look easy. Like it's on my demo reel and everything because that's what it was. He made it look easy. He had three touchdowns in the first half of that game. And he's just a tough physical runner. But when he wants to catch the edge, he can certainly get there. I mean, this is a guy who can run east to west and north to south. And when you have that compass direction of a, uh, of a running back, it, at least coming out of the high school level, and you can get them into the hand of some collegiate offensive coaches, some guys that have been there and done that before, I think he's going to build even better of a skill set uh, heading up into Norman. I've always been a fan uh, of Hicks and what he can do. He's got every single tool because of the physicality, the speed, the agility. Uh, now he's just got to take it to the second level, get some extra extra coaching and some next level uh, insight. And then once he's able to do that, I, I really do have or have confidence that he'll be successful in, at Oklahoma. So just kind of a wild card question before we let you go here, Kyle, who's kind of an underrated player in North Texas football that you've watched and you think, okay, maybe he's not getting a ton of attention or he doesn't have the four or five star rating, but you're like, mm -hmm. I really like watching this kid play football. Oh, and it's interesting. The first, the first, name that came to mind and he's gotten some attention uh it's caleb smith he's a three-star wide receiver at frisco reedy high school and I, i've gotten to see him a couple times which is why i think i'm able to at least confidently put his name out there uh he had the numbers he had the stats he had the the leadership but he's just a slot guy he's not very big i think that's the reason why his his uh his stars and his rating might be a little skewed uh, but he's he's committed to Texas Tech, at least at the moment. Um, and he's a guy that I know Joey McGuire is really excited about. Uh, I've gotten to see multiple times where he's just absolutely taken over a game against really good competition. Uh, he's done it against the bad competition, too. But he's definitely done it against the better teams in that district and uh, helped Reedy get to a 10-0 record. So I'd say Caleb Smith, wide receiver. Keep an eye out on him moving forward. Of course, Oklahoma not going to be in the, the Big 12 for long against Texas Tech, but as long as they are, maybe there's a chance they could meet up. Yeah, he sounds like a Texas Tech special, just somebody who's going to yeah. cause a lot of fits for Big 12. And for Oklahoma over the next couple of years, is, you know, it's still reported that there's planning on being in the Big 12 through the 2024 season. Hey, Kyle, thank you so much for, for jumping on the show and just sharing your insight about Michael Hawkins and Caleb Hicks. Y'all make sure you go follow Kyle, Kyle on Twitter at Kyle underscore Yeomans. And go check out his work. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan like I am, go to DallasCowboys.com. Check out all his great work. Does a great job moder moderating and hosting and providing his own draft analysis as well on the draft show. That's always a, one of the most popular draft podcasts out there during the draft season. It's fantastic work, and they do a great job getting you ready for 
the NFL draft. And I mean, that expertise also translating down the high school level. It's, it's, <laughs> it's unique, man, to have it all covered. So we appreciate you coming on the show and, and being with us here. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully I was able to, uh, I guess, clarify some of these high schoolers. I'm, I'm excited to, to see where they all go and hopefully they're successful at the next level. Yeah, us too. Us too, especially if it's Michael Hawkins coming <laughs> to Oklahoma. And we know we, we feel pretty well locked in with Caleb Hicks uh, coming to Norman um, as far as early signing day or at least national signing day. So it's going to be exciting times. We're still building something in Norman under Brent Venables, but this, this next recruiting that. class is going to be huge. But again, Kyle, thank you so much. Again, go follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle underscore Yeomans and check his workout at DallasCowboys.com. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. If you've ever been a part of hiring, it can be a bit of a gambit. You're kind of playing Russian roulette out there with all your interviews. Sometimes you don't know what you're getting. Well, LinkedIn helps you get the people you want to talk to faster. Just go there. You can post your job for free. You can add the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay, Josh, you teased something yesterday. I, I, I won't even say teased it, but you mentioned something on the live show yesterday about how you were kind of losing confidence a little bit in why in Brent Venable's ability to turn this thing into a contender moving forward. So I'd, I'd like to, to give you the forum here to go ahead and elaborate on that if you'd like, and maybe I'll argue with you a bit on that. Sure. No, I'm all about it. Uh, great to be with you. Great to get uh, a little recruiting insight. So the uh, just rewind, right? If you need a little positivity, <laughs> go back and look at some of those comments instead of what's about to happen here. The stages of Josh, right? This was who I wanted. It's who you wanted as your head football coach. Every sign pointed to Brent Venables, right? And it's early yet in the Brent Venables era. I, I see your comments about year one for Bob Stoops. I see your observations about year one for Nick Saban. I see your observations about Kirby Smart year one, right? I see all of that. That's all fine, well, and good. I understand that those guys, all three of them, did not have 10 and two starts in their respective national championship winning tenures, Right. Uh, I don't know what Dabo Sweeney's first year was like at Clemson, but uh, I, I know that he didn't win a national championship until what, like year seven or whatever. So it takes time to build things. I get that. I understand that. But I do feel a little bit like what's uh, what's the Jason Siegel quote? Which movie is it that he says, that's the only argument I need talking about the uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James to several Sooner fans out there that are like, just give this thing time. Don't, uh, don't have any doubts with Brent Venables. Guys, the team is five and five right now. Five and five ain't good. That's the only argument I need. There's uh, legitimate concerns with Oklahoma right now. Do I want to see the optimism? Absolutely. But what I said yesterday in the live show was this. I'm not totally selling all my Brent Venables stock. I'm just saying that from where I was in the summer, 
which was, hey, there's no way this – the way I was – I shouldn't even say in the summer. The way I was as soon as he hopped off that airplane at Max Westheimer Airport, there's no way this thing is going wrong. Oklahoma, just like Bob Stoop said, you've got your next national championship winning coach. You've got your next championship coach at the University of Oklahoma. I've been shaken in that belief now. I'm not convinced that Brent Venables is that guy anymore because you know what? Five and five, regardless of all the turnover and roster upheaval and this and that, five and five is not good enough at the University of Oklahoma. And Oklahoma has personnel in place, John, to be better than five and five. I get the Big 12 is a little bit better and this and that. But if nothing else, I'm no longer convinced that Brent Venables is winning multiple national championships at Oklahoma. He still might. I'm just saying that from where we're at today, for me to sit here and honest, be honest with our audience that I'm just slam dunk convinced that this is going to work out for Oklahoma and for Brent Venables, no, I don't feel that way. I need to see positive things before I feel that way again. So you asked about Dabo Sweeney. So I went ahead to college football reference and looked it up. So I guess he took over midseason in 2008, went four and three, uh, 2009, nine and five, 2010, six and seven, 2011, 10 and four, and then 2012, 11 and two, 11 and two, 10 and three. It took from 2008 to 2015 for them to contend for a national title. That's how long it took this team to be in the, I mean, the college football playoff didn't come around until I think it was 14 or 15, but it was eight years basically for Dabble Sweeney at Clemson is Oklahoma. Are they going to be able to be as patient with Brent Venables? Now here's why I believe that this is still going to work out. And I, I still have faith and confidence that Brent Venables is going to be the right man for the job. Go back to what Dabble Sweeney said about a month ago. It's not like Brent Venables forgot how to coach all of a sudden. I don't know if the talent here is as good as people want it to be. If it is, it's not playing like it because I mean, you can look at all the metrics, the preseason stuff of four and five star, you know, ratings that everybody's using to analyze what a roster looks like for a football season, which I'm not sure that's the best gauge for determining how talented a roster is after they've been on campus for several years. Um, I don't think it's as talented as we want it to be. It can get more, it can improve the players that are our are, are core players on this team, Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman, Ethan Downs, they can get better. They're just in their first years starting. Now I said on the show a couple of days ago that this wasn't a young team. It's not, but you still have young key pieces that are growing and have opportunities to continue to develop in Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman and Ethan Downs in particular. The recruiting is what really I kind of hang my hat on with Brent Venables. That and then his history as a defensive coordinator. Now, I want to see them make a move at defensive coordinator because I don't think Ted Roof is it. And that could be another conversation, a longer conversation for another time. But because of Brent Venables' abilities as a defensive mind, I think that they can turn that around and, and make it one of the best defenses in the country. It's a long way off from that. But I think it with time, it'll get there. I think the recruiting class for 2022 being number eight solid for 2023 right now, we're eight again, but it's going to have the opportunity to get even better as signing day approaches in February. So I still feel pretty confident. 
maybe I'm still buying the all the all the Kool-Aid that Brent Venables was selling when he got off the plane and every speech from here from then now to now. I don't know. I just feel like he's a guy that he's going to inspire these guys to be better. He's going to get them to play better. Um, they've got to figure out a way to do that. They got to figure out a way to help them execute better. And some of it is you got to build up the talent. I don't think it's strictly a coaching thing. I don't strictly think it's strictly a talent thing. I think every, all of it's got to be better. Brent Venables is going through some, some growing pains this year as a first time head coach. I thought that would go a little bit smoother, but I think he'll learn from all this. He and his coaching staff will learn from what happened this season and they'll get better. Maybe that's just optimist. John, um, I kind of played the pessimist a little bit on with uh, Parker Thune on 94, seven, the ref midday today, but I don't know. I'm back to kind of believing a little bit and maybe it's just trying to provide some balance. I don't know, but I don't know. I, I think there's just too much good history with Brent Venables, too much good history with Jeff Levy, even as inconsistent as the offense is. I think there's just too much good to just say, okay, five and five. I don't know. I have doubts now. Do I want to see it get better? Absolutely. Does it need to get better? Sure. Do I think that they're going to be a national title contender next year? Probably not. But I think that they're on, they can get on a trajectory to get there. Now, next season will really tell the tale when you've had a full year to integrate your defense, your offense, and you've got more experience with these guys and maybe a better, so a better uh, class from the transfer portal, more impact from your 2022 recruits. We'll see, but I'm not off the train yet. I still have belief. And before we move on and start sharing some thoughts on obviously this Bedlam game, we need to start breaking that down and thinking about it, talking about what this matchup looks like uh, and just frankly, just turning the page to it, right? Getting focused on this matchup. I think, uh, you know, for me, the goalposts have moved a little bit on my timeline of expectations. I I do want to see improvement as soon as next season, right? I, I need to see improvement for Oklahoma, but I'm not expecting 10 and two in 2023, right? I'm not expecting 11 and one. I'm literally by this time next year, John, I just hope that you and I on this show, on this podcast, in this setting can sit here and say, you know what? Oklahoma looks like a better football program than they were one year ago. That's my expectation now going forward. And that is related to wins and losses, right? Uh, I don't want to be sitting here five and five this time a year from now talking about Oklahoma, but it's not, hey, eight and two a year from now. My expectation in that regard, and it would have been that this time, um, I don't know, a year ago, right? So you, you can take what you want from that, whether that's concerning to you about the future of Oklahoma. I'm just saying, to me, that's where my expectations have have changed a little bit, and I do think we're going to have to be patient with this thing. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it'll take some patience, but I think we'll still see improvement. I mean, looking at Tavo Sweeney's track record at Clemson before they actually won a national title, like, I don't know. Maybe that's the expectation. Maybe that's kind of more of a realistic expectation for what it's going to take to build this program. Again, will Oklahoma fans, will the Oklahoma you know, media be patient enough to go six, seven years without them having a, you know, 11 win season? What was it again? It was, you know, one, two, three. It took him four seasons to have a 10 win season, uh, five to get to 11 wins. And then again, from 2008 to 2015 to really competing for a national title. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be, the, that's going to be the trick And 
yeah, we're going to get into Oklahoma State. We're going to start talking a little bit about Spencer Sanders. We kind of alluded to a few things uh, on the live stream a little bit about some of our concerns, but we'll we'll dig deeper into those uh, coming up. But Josh is going to talk to you about Bet Online. And just one final thought, real quick on the the Venables discussion. You know, to me, I think it's as simple as five and five, but it's the improvement across the board that in in spots we're seeing but we're not consistently seeing that has me alarmed and i think for me it's also about look i i just can't hop on every form and be dishonest with people and say that hey mentally i think absolutely this thing's gonna work out i have to give you at least one voice out there that says if you're a dissenter and you're not totally buying into this thing a little bit that you want to see more you're not crazy okay you're not taking crazy pills just because the rest of sooner nation at times wants you to feel like you're taking crazy pills. Okay. No, not at all. Not at all. I, and and I, I totally get where you and many others are coming from that, that there's reason for doubt. But you know what? It's time to be positive this week. It's a big game coming up versus Oklahoma State and Spitzer Sanders. We got to break down uh, what his health status means for this game. BetOnline.net. It's your number one source to find the odds for this game, to figure out, hey, what's the right side of this Bedlam equation for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? But, hey, it's larger than that. All of your NFL, latest news and notes and happenings, lines, uh, everything else in the college football world, betonline.net, where you can find all of the odds, news, and scores. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Spencer Sanders is not healthy going into this football game, John. The level of injury for Spencer Sanders, I'm going to mark it as relatively severe for Oklahoma State to have tried to go as long as they did without inserting him into the game until obviously back kind of gets pushed against the wall, pressed into a corner, and all of a sudden you say, you know what, we're we're probably going to need him to win this football game, which I think we saw last week. So that to me, John – is a legitimate, serious factor in this Bedlam game. I don't think that's Oklahoma State just trying to be patient or, you know, slow play or whatever. No, they have a legitimate health concern, I think, at quarterback. Yeah, they do. And Gundy's saying it's basically up to him. You look at, you know, there's an article written over by uh, over at the Oklahoma and by Jacob Unruh, and I think I'm pronouncing that right. I hope, hopefully I am, Unruh. Um, he's basically leaving it in Spencer Sanders hands as to whether or not he plays. And I don't know that, that kind of, that kind of rose me a little bit the wrong way. Like if you're the coach, you should be deciding if your player is healthy enough to play. If he's healthy, he should play. If he's not, he shouldn't play. Like that's kind of what it comes down to. Now, if it's one of those situations where he can't get any more hurt than what he already is. Okay. I can understand that. But I think we're, whatever we get from Spencer Sanders, it's not going to be 100% Spencer Sanders, but he doesn't need to be 100% in order to hurt the Sooners because what he does really, really well, whether he can throw the football well or not because he's dealing with the shoulder injury, is he can run the ball. Like His running ability is still going to be scary. It's still going to provide a threat to Oklahoma, and they haven't shown that they can consistently stop a quarterback run game all year long. And so if you have concerns about Oklahoma heading into Bedlam, that's kind of where it starts. The other one is the Cowboys defense has started playing really, really well of late. And I know, again, Iowa State's not a great offense. Hunter Deckers, he loves to give you the football, and they did a good job taking it from him. But still, if 
the Oklahoma offense is as inconsistent as it was against West Virginia going into Bedlam with it's supposed to be really, really cold. I'm, I'm hearing below freezing temperatures in the forecast. How is that going to affect Dylan Gabriel and the passing offense? Because if they can't run the ball, it's going to be a long, long night for the Oklahoma Sooners against what is a really good defensive front for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Well, and right now, I mean, if there's one thing, one thing on Oklahoma that you really trust in, it's Eric Gray, right? It's, uh, I don't even know if you would say collectively it's Oklahoma's run game, John, so much as it's Eric Gray, right? I don't know if like a bunch of Oklahoma fans would jump up and say, oh, this team, the, the run blocking is fabulous. That part of the game, it's, but probably you would say, right, if uh, you wanted to more macro picture it then yeah it would be the run game with Eric Gray so absolutely you've got to be good in that department and uh you know for Oklahoma State with a quarterback that again we're talking about in the Spencer Sanders comes into this game John uh banged up and on the Gundy portion there probably he made a little bit of PR snafu problem with him honestly in that about Sanders said hey I'm gonna quarterback the play or not it's a pain threshold thing since it's, I mean, it's obviously it's not a head injury, right? We know that if it was any sort of concussion-like symptoms, then I think, you know, no doubt you would see people in a massive, massive uproar about that comment. But, okay, given Sanders' health status going into this thing, John, we know that what are they going to do with a quarterback that's not fully healthy? What are they going try, to try to lean on the run game, right? So Oklahoma's kryptonite going to be one of the biggest factors in this game. Can they be, again, any kind of good run defense-wise? Yeah, and I'll, I'll clarify a little bit. You know, Spencer Sanders, I guess, was asked if he was going to play. He said, ain't no doubt about it. Um, Gundy responded, I hadn't heard that, but I hope that's the way he feels, and we're going to leave it up to him. Um, I, I can't imagine Spencer Sanders would even consider missing his last Bedlam game. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. So maybe this game means a little bit more to Oklahoma State than they want to let on. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge key. I don't think they have a whole lot else offensively that really threatens Oklahoma. I mean, unless Spencer Sanders is throwing the ball hundred percent because their offense can be really good, but if he's not hundred percent healthy, I just don't know if they're gonna be able to, to to sling the ball around like they were earlier in the season. That's that's kind of a big question for me. And, that, and I think that's a big question about this game in general is like, which Spencer Sanders are we going to get in this game? Which Oklahoma defense are we going to get in this game? Like, is it going to be good Oklahoma defense or is it going to be up and down Oklahoma defense? Can't stop anybody on third down, you know, can't stop anybody on fourth down. And then what passing attack are we going to get from Oklahoma? I think this is just such one of those games that's so up in the air. And the fact that Oklahoma is a seven and a half point favorite at bet online is shocking to me. Um, I don't know how. You, you set that line unless you just don't think Spencer Sanders can play at all, uh, but he's going to give it a go anyway. Um, and, and so, but even with that, like <laughs> you played West Virginia was one is arguably the worst team in the conference and it didn't matter. Like their backup quarterback beat you because you couldn't stop the quarterback run game. He could barely throw the football and yet they made enough 50, 50 plays and he killed you with his legs. And that was it. That's all they needed to, needed to do. Hit a couple big plays where their receivers made plays over your defensive backs. And then Garrett Green just, you know, pounded, I say pounded away. Just kind of like needled you, jabbed you to death. And, and you weren't able to stop it. So 
Spencer Sanders doesn't have to be 100% healthy. Like 50% Spencer Sanders might be as good as Garrett Green. How much is Casey Dunn going to be willing to run with Spencer Sanders, do you think, in this game? I would say, you know, banged up shoulder, probably shouldn't be playing in general, but uh, wants to play because it's Bedlam and is going to play because it's Bedlam. Are they going to be able and willing with Spencer Sanders to run the quarterback? Because, look, that's one of the areas that Oklahoma is most susceptible defensively, is a quarterback that's willing to tuck it and run it himself. Or is Oklahoma State, are they going to limit themselves offensively and kind of yank that out of the playbook outside of just your your scramble situations? The design quarterback run, is that still in this week? John, I think that's an interesting question. I think it's an important factor in this game. I think we'll see it early on. I think they'll want to be able to threaten Oklahoma with it or at least keep that top of mind. Even if they don't plan to run it a ton, I got to think that they're going to use some read option early on just to keep Oklahoma guessing a little bit. But I can't imagine Spencer Sanders is going to shy away. If he's going to play, the, the dude's a competitor. Brent Venable said it best. He, you know, He's played a lot of football. He's competed a lot. He's a competitor. He wants, obviously wants to win, but he just, he fights. Like he's never been the most talented quarterback, but he was able to help his team win games because of the competitor that he is. I don't imagine him going into it being like, yeah, I'm just going to take half of my game away. No, I think they're, I think they'll keep, they'll try to keep him safe kind of in the same way that they're trying to keep Dylan Gabriel safe in the quarterback run game. But once you get out there, Spencer Sanders is going to do what Spencer Sanders does. And I mean, he can, he can break tackles. He's kind of a, you know, he's not a big, big guy, but he's physical enough to break tackles and make people miss. So it's going to be the fascinating storyline to watch as this week goes along. And we won't really have a good indication of what Spencer Sanders we're going to get until that first drive Saturday night. And that's, and once we see what he's capable of, then we'll, we'll have a better indication. If I'm Ted roof, I'm gearing up all my dudes to blitz all night long. And I'm, or at least early on so that Spencer Sanders can prove that he's ready to beat me with his arm. If he can't, then I'm going to keep blitzing because I'm going to take away the run game. I'm going to run blitz all night and play man and to see if they can beat us. They probably will a couple times, but you're going to create enough negative plays to get them in third and long situations where you should have a better opportunity to get off the field. I know some people will disagree that with that strategy because of our secondary, but the path of least resistance, if they're going to try and run the ball, don't drop seven or eight into coverage. Just don't do it. Just keep everybody in the box. Make them beat you with his arm. Well, I don't think it's a crazy strategy to make somebody that's got a hurt throwing arm throw the football. No, it's not. Call me crazy. And that might be insensitive as a medical provider to uh, to put that on Spencer Sanders. But, hey, it's Bedlam week. Dang it. And if Spencer, if Spencer Sanders is going to be out there, he's going to have to deal with the blitz. David Aguebu charging down on him. Danny Stutzman coming in at him. Billy Bowman sometimes as well. So, Okay. Any, any thoughts? We got to talk basketball briefly. Oklahoma get a win over UNC Wilmington. Uh, 73 to 54, I believe was the final score. Got 15 points out of Grant Sherfield, 15 points out of Joe Bamasile. He was big off the bench, shooting well. Hitting, I think it's three of five from three-point range. So, Josh, you were kind of at the game for most of that. What was kind of your big takeaway from, from the Sooners' third game of the season? So, interestingly enough, UNC Wilmington, you know, take from this what you will, but on uh, November 7th, they lost to North Carolina at North Carolina 
by uh, just 13, 69 to 56 was the the final in that one. Obviously uh, for Oklahoma, they're still licking the wounds from the Sam Houston loss to start, but now they've won a couple in a row having beaten Arkansas Pine Bluff in versus UNC Wellington. Again, a team that, you know, I, I don't know if they gave a legitimate scare to North Carolina, but they didn't get absolutely housed or embarrassed at North Carolina either. And watching UNC Wellington in person, man, fairly athletic. I I thought they had a a good looking roster just in terms of the athletes factor, but Oklahoma man really uh, controlled this game start to finish. I thought, uh, you know, across the board really got nice contributions defensively. Oklahoma was, uh, was really, really good in this game. So I'm excited about this team still. I know that there's kind of the, not great loss to open the season for Oklahoma, but I still think they have nice pieces on this roster. I'm excited to see how Porter Moser can get this thing all to come together. Milos Uzen, uh, Otega, Owe. I think you got a couple of talented freshmen in each of those two guys. And then it is uh, the Bama Sills of the world, right? That's a, another transfer for Oklahoma. Godwin, how, how does all of that fit together with uh, obviously the Grove brothers and Jalen Hill and company? So I think Oklahoma's got a better team than I guess opening night would indicate based on what I saw uh, versus UNC Wilmington. Man, basketball is such a long season too. Like what a team look like looks like now could look totally different from what they look like come March. Like this team really started trending toward really good basketball you know, February, March of last season. And we're, we're kind of peaking as they headed into the big 12 tournament and just missed out on the NCAA tournament. So if they can you know, start off better this season and still kind of peak, you know, find their peak and, and hit their stride come February, March, then I think they'll be in good shape, you know, come big 12 tournament time and NCAA tournament time, but it's a tough conference. It's one of the best basketball conferences in the country, if not the best basketball conference in the country. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and subscribing to the show, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you're following Josh on Twitter at lock, sorry, at Josh on ref, follow the show on Twitter at locked on Sooners. You can also hear Josh Monday through Friday from nine to noon on 94, seven, the ref in Norman. Follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at the soonerswire.com. Uh, we had a lot of basketball content on our, on our Tuesday. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, the women got a big win as well. Check out the uh, little eight, nine minute post game recap. I, I did over there on the YouTube side of things. So if you're not subscribed to the show over on YouTube, make sure you are. We're doing our live show, I think, Monday nights from now on. It seems like a pretty good night for Josh and I, and we had a pretty good turnout last night. So make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can be in tune with when we're doing the live show and be notified when that happens. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll continue getting you ready for Oklahoma State. Boomer Sooner.